You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. Mike Chappell getting another well-deserved week off. And Joe, let's be honest, if Mike was even in this room with us, I don't think he'd have much to say this week. No, I don't think he'd have much input (laughs) on ADPs and PPR and all that kind of stuff. I don't even know. I I bet he does not know what either of those two stand for. So we're talking fantasy this week, specifically about the Colts, um, where... Uh, where we might draft these players, where we th- what we think about these players, the potential they have, or what we see them to be in the Colts' offense. And we'll touch on, uh, of course, Adam Vinatieri in the Colts' defense as well. But um, fantasy ch- talks can always be um, very charged, Joe, because people care very much about their fantasy teams. I say this guy's a sleeper. He has a bad year. And then you get you get blown up on Twitter for it. So let me start off by saying this. Man, I love fantasy. It, it's awesome. I've been playing it for a long time, probably since I was in about middle school was when I started. Random fact, I found like my first draft sheet that I ever did in my life with some of my friends from church. We created a league, and we just had one like little spreadsheet, and we wrote down everybody that we drafted. And I randomly found it the oh, other the, month. It was awesome. School. Yeah, exactly. No, we <laughs> definitely didn't do this online, man. I mean, we, we went to some restaurant. We wrote everything down, and then one of the guys, the commissioner, just tallied everything up himself. So my first year, I was terrible. I did have Marshall Falk, who was probably my best player when he played for the Colts way back then. Him and Garrison Hurst were my two like stars okay. that one year. Had a couple workhorse backs. Exactly. That was when there were more workhorse backs in the league. But nevertheless, let me tell you one or two things that I've learned over the years in fantasy. One, this is your team. No matter what anybody tells you, draft a team that you like. Draft a team that you want to cheer for. Draft a team that you want to root for, because that's going to make it a bunch more fun for you. Whether uh, there's so many ways to do that for me growing up in Philadelphia and really being an Eagles fan, sometimes I would want to draft players who are Giants or Cowboys and Redskins so that if they did terribly, then I would still be happy because there are people (laughs) in my division that I was like, I don't care. Saquon Barkley had a bad week. Great. Fantastic. I don't have to. I I mean, I'm he had a great week. He's on my team. Wonderful. I get I get the added benefit of that. So. I don't know. People come to fantasy with so many different perspectives. And, and my, my biggest piece of advice is just to enjoy it, man, because it's a ton of fun. And if you take this way too seriously and if you want to get on Twitter and blast people who called a sleeper or called a bust who weren't, then then I don't know. Get a life. That That's that's me. I do this for a lot of fun and, and I have a lot of fun doing it. I mean, if, if you know someone who can predict the future, let me know. But yeah. these are all just we're guessing here. Right. And uh, let me let me say this as well. Uh, Matthew Barry, the uh, the king of fantasy, really, the original fantasy guy is, of course, Joe Hopkins from Syracuse University. So <laughs> yes, he is. And he talks about it as much as about as much as you do on the podcast. I, believe it or not, he does. And we <laughs> both worked at the student TV station there. He was not. He was there before me, but nevertheless, I, I needed to throw that out because I mean, honestly, would I be a real good Syracuse guy if I didn't? So let's do, let's dive right into to fantasy and the Colts specifically, and we'll start at the quarterback position. We'll start with Andrew Luck was the fifth highest scoring fantasy quarterback in 2018 based on, you know, standard scoring. We're going to go by standard yeah, stuff. Four here. points for touchdowns, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. point every 25 passing yard, mm-hmm. normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, fifth most passing yards in the league, second most passing touchdowns with 39. Um, when he comes into this year, and we've talked about this before on the program, Joe, we both expect to see Andrew Luck to be just as good as he was last year, if not better, because he gets another year under Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. He understands the offense better. Um the weapons he has, we expect to be better with weapons. Devin Funchess. Second so, year removed from the shoulder. Yes. There, 
all the reasons, really. Every Everything is pointing up with Andrew Luck right now. There's no reason to believe, unless he gets hurt again, that that he would do worse next year than he does this year, in, in both of our opinions, I want to say on this. Is that correct? Uh, oh, yeah. And I think that's kind of reflected as we go down here about where Andrew should be taken um, when considering the other quarterbacks on the board. Um, you look at an, another interesting thing. He had the second most pass attempts last year. Really interesting for a team that's always talking about wanting to run the ball. And I don't think that's going to go down too much. No matter how much they talk about it, this is still going to be a pass-first football team because Andrew Luck is their best player. And we still consider even a 60-40-65-35 percentage their pass run to be mainly pass. And that's that's what the NFL is nowadays. It's not like when Marshall Falk was running for the Colts and Garrison Hurst was running for the 49ers when it was closer no, to 50-50. No. So. Seattle's trying to bring that back, but they're, not they're in doing their best. Yeah, g- good luck with that. And and the Colts have have tools in front of Andrew Luck to keep him healthy. Now just in one season the offensive line went from the worst in the league arguably to the best in the league arguably especially when it comes to protecting the passer only 18 sacks allowed certainly that has something to do with how fast Andrew Luck got the ball out more uh, under this type of offense that he did in the previous offense too but uh, nevertheless I'm going to run down just kind of the top 10 quarterbacks here uh, in or 10 or 11 I guess in terms of what many people think uh, for fantasy football you got Patrick Mahomes who was just godlike last year if he lost like 60 fantasy points he'd still be the number one quarterback he was number one by a wide margin if he had 10 fewer touchdowns he would have yeah. been still number, the number one, one player yeah even above Saquon yes yes so you got Mahomes uh, Deshaun Watson had a really good year he ran for over 500 yards so that that added dimension of the running game with Watson is, is a really really big deal in fantasy Aaron Rodgers Andrew Luck Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, Ben Roethlisberger. If you go down to Kyler Murray, Drew Brees. Um, Brees is actually low on this list that I'm looking at all the way down at 11. Jared Goff at 12. So uh, those are kind of the what, whatever. There's probably not too many quarterbacks that would jump jump higher than Andrew Luck than, than those 10 or 11 guys. So um, Matt Ryan had a really good year last year. I would personally pick Andrew Luck over Matt Ryan. Uh, I think that I think that he's set up better for success this year. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. You can make a case for all three of those guys and Andrew Luck uh, being the top four and really pick your poison, pick um, pick which guy picks your fancy. And, and any one of those four guys, in my opinion, would, would be capable of being the number one fantasy quarterback this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think Mahomes is kind of on a tier on his own. And then Luck, Ryan, Rodgers, and Watson are all kind of coupled in there as that next guy. Like, if you took any of those, you know, I wouldn't talk you out of it. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I'm going Luck. Probably mm-hmm. partial. Part of that's Homer. Uh-huh, the Homer uh-huh, in me. Uh-huh. If I, you know, splitting hairs here, I'll go with the home team. But of those four guys, he's got the best offensive line. He's definitely has the best tight end group. You could argue the best pass catching group, although Atlanta's up there. Um, Houston has really good I was going to say, you can argue Houston, too, because Will Fuller, when he is in and when he Those is healthy, six man. six games when he's healthy. Exactly. <laughs> Deshaun Watson is dangerous. But Kiki Cootie's good in the slot, you know, so it's close, but mm-hmm. in my opinion, suck. And there are sites that agree with this. NFL.com has him as the second-ranked quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. The website I wrote for, write for, Roto Street Journal, has him ranked as the second quarterback in fantasy. So... 
He's definitely top five. If you want to take him after Mahomes, I'm not going to talk you out of that. I'd probably draft him over Aaron Rodgers myself, too, just because I don't know how many weapons Rodgers has. And Green Bay is is a little bit of a wild card this year with, with their coaching situation. And I don't know. I, I, and he's la- been hurt. Yeah, last year really soured me on Rodgers for whatever reason. He still had a good year, but I he just didn't. You, there was no spark with with him. Maybe it was because Mahomes had that spark that we'd seen from Rodgers in years past. That was just electrifying, and you had to watch his games because he could have made this dynamic play. And I don't know. Maybe Mahomes stole some of that. Like I said, in my opinion, but I, I would certainly put Luck over um, over Rodgers. And like I said, I think I'd take him over Matt Ryan. Um, it's a really good debate in my mind whether it's Luck or Deshaun Watson for that for that second spot behind Patrick Mahomes because Watson maybe is more likely to be injured so i don't know maybe in that sense luck might might yeah. kind of i might lean that way he was sacked well. most last year he had the acl as a rookie right. he played with a punctured lung last year Ouch. so he definitely has a higher risk factor than luck would and whenever you're drafting again we're going to give just kind of some adps here for for where we see luck going this, of course, depends on your league. I'm in one league, um, really my main league that I'm in, that I've been with guys since my sophomore year of college, that that take quarterbacks earlier than like than the average A lot league. of hometown leagues yeah. still do that. So I, I, whatever for whatever reason, in many mock drafts online, you see running back, running back, running back, running back, running back, or wide receiver, wide receiver, and it's all those guys in the first four rounds or five rounds even, but... But just know your league. That's another piece of advice I can give you. Just just know what other people tend to do and then adjust your strategy based on that. Because if if I wanted Andrew Luck or Patrick Mahomes in my league, I'd probably have to take one of them in the first, certainly in the first three rounds, maybe in the first two yeah. rounds, just because those guys are going to go. It's not going to be like the, the expert quote-unquote drafts that you see online that maybe your first quarterback will go in the fourth round uh, at that point. So so know what you're looking for. But nevertheless, back to my point about average draft position, um, he's coming down to about the fourth or the fifth best qu- quarterback taken average in ESPN.com um, behind Mahomes, Watson, Rogers, somewhere around 50th over 58th rather overall. So that's the back end of a fifth round in a 12 team league or just at the sixth round in a 10 team league. So that's the average once again. Like I said, know your league, and the more you know the people in your league, the more you've drafted in the past, Joe, the the better you can gauge where exactly, if you want luck on your team, where you should take them. Yeah, every year I usually don't end up with a lot of Colts because I play with a lot of Colts fans, (laughs) and they get overdrafted, and I'd rather win. You know, I can (laughs) still root for my Colts to win and my fantasy team at the same time. I'm probably not going to own a lot of stocks in Andrew Luck this year because I'm not going to take him in the fifth or sixth round the earliest I'm taking quarterback is round seven. I want to mm-hmm. get at least three running backs, two receivers, and a good tight end this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. So I'd rather stack the rest of my team because there's just so many good quarterbacks mm-hmm. out there. You can get Phillip Rivers late, and he's going to be a low-end quarterback one for you. Yeah, there's a couple of quarterbacks that I'm really intrigued by this year. So I don't want to give away all my secrets because, <laughs> heck, I, my, my friends might be listening to this. So uh, I'm not going to not gonna get into all that, but... Uh, Nevertheless, that that's that's quarterback. I think that's pretty cut and dry, uh, Joe. That we all we love Andrew Luck, and we think uh, he's in store for a good year. Uh, Marlon Mack is a little intriguing at running back. Was just the twenty first highest scoring back last year in PPR mm-hmm. rankings, um, but missed the majority of the first five weeks. And in the games, the thirteen games that he played since returning in Week Six, he averaged more than eighty yards per game. 
uh, averaged more than 16 rushes per game, averaged more than one reception per game, scored 11 touchdowns. So in those 13 weeks, scored 11 touchdowns, which is great. Averaged nearly 16 PPR points per game, which would have been the 11th most in the league over the course of the season. So that jumps him from 21st, if you're looking at just the entire season, up to 11th for those last uh, those last weeks after returning in week six. So there, there's a lot of potential that Marlon Mack has, but there's certainly some competition there with him in the backfield. And I think the two things that really stand out out of what you just said was the injury. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say it's fair to call him injury prone, but he hasn't proven to be durable. This is kind of the show me you can do it for a full season year. And if that happens, I think he's a low end um, running back one. We just said he mm-hmm. highest 11th highest scoring. Um, the other thing that stands out is he doesn't get a lot of work in the passing game. He only got about one catch per game, got about eight yards with it. So he's going to be a little more valuable in standard leagues and PPR, but the amount of touchdowns and rush attempts still had him as one of the best, you know, top backs in fantasy football. So I wouldn't lower him too much on your boards because of his lack of receiving work. That, of course, is taken mostly by Naheem Hines. Paris Campbell will eat into that too. But I don't have a problem with Marlon Mack. I think he's a high-end running back too. I'm probably more comfortable with him as my second running back I agree. Yeah. than my first. So. I think if he's your second, you're you're looking pretty good. Yeah. Because uh, he's going to have some some games where he scores really well, and he's going to put up some RB1 numbers on, I don't know, maybe three to four games for the year. But other than that, it'll probably be pretty consistent more so as a running back, too, for sure. And with those kind of carries, I don't think he's ever going to kill you in a week. Maybe he gets like, you know, 60 yards, no touchdowns, okay, mm-hmm. whatever. But I don't think he's ever going to you know, kind of those flex guys that may or may not show up at all. He's going to be pretty consistent as long as he can stay healthy all year. Yeah, if he's your flex, you're in great shape. That That's, oh, that's yeah. unquestionable. But um, some, some different websites have him ranked. ESPN has him ranked 17th, NFL.com 18th. Uh, your boys at Roto Street Journal have him all the way up at 13th, so a little bit more bullish on him. Like we said, he has the potential to be up there. That's either low-end one, high-end two. Um, but here are some other running backs, again, that are right around those same rankings for, uh, for Marlon Mack. You have guys like um, maybe Josh Jacobs at Oakland. He's probably a little bit higher on some people's boards. Um, Le'Veon Bell, Dalvin Cook, um, Nick Chubb, uh, Aaron Jones at Green Bay, Devontae Freeman in Atlanta, Leonard Fournette at Jacksonville, Derrick Henry at Tennessee. Um, so all, all those names are kind of in, in the mix right around there in either the low end one or the high end two. And again, it comes down to your flavor among these guys. Um, I, I, you, you like the potential of guys like Le'Veon Bell, but you're just I'm scared of him in New York. I'm not touching him. <laughs> I'm not touching him. <laughs> I hear you. He's going ahead of Mac as well. Yes. So I'd rather wait and take Mac mm-hmm. than get Bell earlier. You like the potential again of a guy like Nick Chubb playing for a full season with Kitchens as his offensive coordinator in Cleveland with another year of Baker I think Mayfield. I would take him above Mac. Yeah. Um, Aaron Jones in Green Bay. I don't know. Green Bay. I don't, who knows? Whatever the heck they do with their running backs. Um, Devontae Freeman. I, I've always liked Devontae Freeman. I covered him in college when he was at Florida State. He was always a he was a solid dude and a great back and underrated his whole life. And Coleman's gone now. Yeah, Indiana, exactly. So it's all Freeman. Exactly. So there's a there's a chance for Freeman to have a really, really good season. Um, so so those are just a couple of names that are that are right around him. Um, but well, if you go past Marlon Mack, we we get to Naheem Hines, 
who um who had a really really good rookie year after what Joe I would say was a very scary preseason where he was back returning punts and dropped a couple of them or muffed a couple of them even if he didn't totally drop them and you're going into the year like oh my goodness is this guy going to see any action is this going to be a repeat of that back from Mississippi State a couple years ago the I forget his name but he called him a bowl a butcher a bowling ball of butcher knives or something it was Josh Roberts Robinson or something like that it was a fifth round pick. But uh, just a guy who couldn't hold on to the ball in the preseason and never saw any play. But Hines, Hines did. He came in. He played offense. He had the eighth most receptions for a running back last year with 63. So like you said, he stole a lot of those catches from Marlon Mack out of the backfield. Um, his, uh, his targets dipped in the middle of the season. So the first five games of the year, he, had, he was doing pretty well. He had seven targets in the first five weeks per game but then dipped to an average of about four per game for the rest of the season. But then over the final five weeks, if you just take that chunk, so the first five weeks he was great, the last five weeks he averaged six. So it was kind of a little lull in the middle, but then picked it back up toward the end of the season. Yeah, I think once Mac came back, they were kind of figuring out how to use these guys together. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of the year, they kind of came to the conclusion, Mac's going to be the early down guy. Naheem Hines will catch some passes out of the backfield. But my one thing with Hines is, he had a lot of catches, but he didn't do a whole lot with them. Um, his 6.7 yards per catch was the fewest of all players with 40 more, 40 or more receptions. Only Theo Riddick and Chris Thompson averaged less. So Naheem Hines, a guy with 4.3 speed, we really didn't see that on display last season. It seemed like he'd make the catch and go down pretty quickly. So hopefully he's able to improve in that area, get a little stronger in his second year, break some tackles, and get in the open field. One thing that Hines, I don't think, has going in his favor that some other running backs would that might be drafted around the same time is if your number one running back goes down, that other guy slides into the number one role. With Hines... I don't think that's going to be the case. At best, he's going to be uh, in in a in a rotation for that number one spot if Marlon Mack goes down again. But at the same time, he he averaged less than four yards per carry when he got his chances last year. Hit double digit carries just twice. He's more of a receiving threat for sure. He is more of your change of pace guy. If if Marlon Mack goes down, there's a reason the Colts signed uh, Spencer Ware in the off season. Uh, because they want somebody who's a little bit bigger, who can take the pounding in between the tackles, who can give you 20 carries a game if you need to. And I don't think they're ever going to give Naheem Hines 20 carries a game. No, if if Matt goes down, I think it'd kind of turn into this gross committee where maybe Spencer Ware gets 50% of the work, Hines gets 30, 35, and then... Um Jordan Wilkins gets 20 or so. And they keep talking up Jonathan Williams. I keep waiting to see if he's actually going to play, but the coaching staff keeps insisting they love him. Yeah, I I don't know how we're going to go into the season with five running backs, but we'll see how it works out, and a lot of that will be figured out during training camp. Jordan Wilkins you bring up as well. I don't think you're going to see him drafted in any league, even though he averaged 5.6 yards per carry last year. Really showed off really well when he got the opportunity to do so, but... You're not going to draft Jordan Wilkins. Somebody in your league will probably draft um, Naeem Hines. I would assume he would. He's going somewhere around the 40th running back taken, 40th to 45th. Yeah, about 122nd overall, which, you know, around that range, there are so many other running backs that I would rather have. Mm -hmm. Let me find the ADP real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, But around there, you're talking about guys like Carlos Hyde, who if – 
you know, something happens to Williams, which in Kansas I'm not, City, yeah, in mm-hmm. Kansas City, I'm not sold on. Um, he would all become what RB two at worst. Yep. yep. Um, let's see, Royce Freeman from mm-hmm. Denver. You and know, Philip Lindsay isn't back and isn't f- fully healthy. Exactly. Deontay Foreman from Houston. I don't think anyone thinks Lamar Miller is a league changer. Yeah. So there's so many other high upside running backs in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, even Matt Breda in San Francisco looked really good last year, even mm-hmm. though it's a crowded backfield. Yeah. So. I think you're better off going with some of the other guys in that range who have a higher upside than Naheem Hines. Some other guys here. I like Chris Thompson out of Washington. I think that uh, he does get some more RB1 play if the number one guy goes down, even though he's a small dude. Um, Kalen Ballage of Miami is really intriguing to me. Um, All these guys. Jarek McKinnon, everybody was on big last year in San Francisco until he got hurt preseason. He's right around 40 in, in the rankings. Austin Eagler. Or Eckler, I don't know how you pronounce his name. I've just seen it written. Um, I think in a, it's Eckler, but the charges. He's kind of like Hines, where if mm-hmm. Gordon goes down, they have what Jordan Jackson. Yeah, in I the think backfield. so too. So yeah, he, he wouldn't become the guy. Right. Um. So so there you go. There there's just a list of different guys that are that are around that area. Um. And not not to say that I don't think Hines is a good pick, but I just I think with. Uh, with the addition of Spencer Ware in the offseason, that points that they don't want him to, to carry it too much. With the addition of Paris Campbell in the offseason, that's probably going to take away some of his receiving touches. So maybe in the sense that from last year to this year, you would expect a guy who was a rookie to his second year maybe take a step forward in terms of production. Maybe just stay about the same, if not take a small step backward because of these these things, especially with Paris Campbell, because he's a guy that the Colts definitely want to get involved, and he seems to be very similar in skill set to a guy like Hines. Absolutely. Paris Campbell's a guy that they got on the team so they can get the ball in his hands in the short-term intermediate and let him catch and run, at least as a rookie. And um, I I would just say, you know, try that late in the draft, try and go with upside. You know, a lot of these guys are going to be on your bench anyway. Go Mm -hmm. for somebody who could explode. Yeah. So, so that's uh, that's Naeem Hines. What about uh, we, we forgot to mention uh, Marlon Max about his ADP right now, taking right about the seventeenth running back according to ESPN.com. That's forty first overall. I think it's a steal. I think so too. If you can get him in the mid fourth round in a twelve team league or the early fifth round in a ten team league, that that's that's really good. If you I'd can get him seventeenth. Yeah, I'm very comfortable with that. So, yeah, sorry I'd take to, him third. Yeah, sorry to have skipped that out. That's my bad. But we got we got that. We got Hines. <laughs> Um, and probably you're not going to draft any other Colts running backs unless something happens in the first week or two of the preseason. Somebody Mac gets hurt, and then maybe you take a flyer on Spencer Ware sometime um, if he's out for a long time. So that's just a that's a snapshot of the Colts running backs, wide receivers. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is obviously your number one with the Colts. Proved last year, I think uh, Mike Chapel and I have talked about this again that um, really took a step forward in terms of proving us wrong or at least proving to everyone that he is a legitimate number one wide receiver in the NFL. Um, He's rarely hurt, even though he was dinged up at the end of last season. He fought through multiple injuries to stay on the field and be in the playoffs. And you know what? The best thing about T.Y. Hilton is he gets to play the Houston Texans twice a year. And you know those (laughs) weeks are always going to be fantastic weeks. Oh, yeah. Lock him in your lineup for those. Um, T.Y. was the 14th highest scoring fantasy wide receiver in 2018. Um, 12th most targets per game, averaging uh, nearly nine targets per game. Um, this going into this year, it's a it's a consensus. ESPN, NFL.com, and Roto Street Journal, your boys 
I'll have him ranked 10th. And that's about what T.Y. Hilton is. You get him about 11 to 1,300 receiving yards, somewhere between five and seven touchdowns. He, I don't know if he's ever done too many more than that. Hang on. Because um, he seven yeah. since career high. He's yeah. hit that twice. Yeah. Never had less than four. Like, and that was with Brissette. Ah, no. Autoplay. No. <laughs> Stop. I have my computer on in front of me. Sorry about that, Joe, if I screamed into the microphone. But that is... That is the bane of my existence is autoplay <laughs> on online. So I've now muted my stupid computer no, here. You just remind me to do the same. Yeah, so. <laughs> good. So so nevertheless, back to back to T.Y. Hilton. He's he's not your top five wide receiver. He's just not. I, I love T.Y. Hilton, but he doesn't have the potential, I don't think, to score twelve touchdowns in a season, to score fourteen touchdowns in a season. He might catch ninety. He's caught ninety balls before, which is great for PPR, but he usually doesn't catch that many. And he he's he's not in the same tier as like a DeAndre Hopkins or the potential that Devontae Adams has as really the only target, the the biggest target at least for Aaron Rodgers. So if you're looking for a top tier wide receiver, like your top five or six, TY's not there, but he's still a very good bottom tier wide receiver one for a fantasy team. Yeah, I feel like if he's your top receiver, you're looking to get another really good receiver quick probably um but if he's your number two guy you're stoked oh totally so it kind of depends on roster building how you want to manage the top of the draft um but i i think he's kind of going in that area where if you want to take a running back first and have ty hilton he's probably going to be your number one wide receiver mm-hmm. um heading into the season mm-hmm. let's see his adp right now is 26 overall so early to mid third round so i guess you could go running back receiver receiver and ty be the second one um but uh, i would say that's about fair he's not really a value but he's not overpriced either in drafts do you think i I, i'll pose this question to you and then i'll give my take on it and listen to you uh but do you think devin funchess has a big impact on ty hilton's fantasy value i would say no because i think they're different players yeah i think they're going to play completely different roles we can save this for next but i think function is gonna funches is gonna impact um the tight ends value a lot more than he's going to ty's Devin funches is probably somewhere around 40th i would think uh in your in in wide receiver rankings around guys like uh let's see larry fitzgerald is kind of probably being drafted around there will fuller is down in this list that i'm looking at at 36 I, like i said man if will fuller's on the field he scored, I think it was, it must have been four touchdowns in the first seven games last year because I think he went touchdown, touchdown, touchdown first three weeks and was just looking amazing and then got hurt. Um, I think it was an ACL for him. So, um, And again, when it comes to ACL injuries, the who knows how wide receivers are going to come back from that. That's always dangerous. But nevertheless, Funchess down there somewhere around 40 um, with guys, uh, Kiki Kuti, you mentioned him, uh, Golden Tate, Emmanuel Sanders, Dante Moncrief, I see on this list right there because he's going to be the number two in Pittsburgh behind Juju. Um, yeah, let's but, see. Looks like ESPN's got him 55th around. Yeah, Adam Humphreys, mm-hmm. Jameson Crowder, mm-hmm. Vasquez Scandling, who I, I, I would rather go with. Vasquez Scandling. Yeah, A, because of the name. B, totally. he could be the number two in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. That's kind of wide open. Yeah. I think Funches, if you have Funches, he's going to be a weekly f- 
flex play. Yeah. You just kind of hope he scores a touchdown. I yeah. don't think his yardage week to week is going to be high enough to carry you through. If uh, my league at least usually has two running back, two wide receiver flex. Uh, if you have three wide receivers, I've seen some leagues like that. Maybe him, you have him as your third, but I definitely don't want him as my number one or number two by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, I probably wouldn't even want him as my number three. I'd want him as a, as a guy who is either coming off my bench or a flex play, depending on um, depending on the matchups. So um, I think there's certainly potential in him, like we saw with Eric Ebron come here and just uh, just torch it up because he's in very much in the same mold as Ebron, a young guy, an athletic guy, a tall guy who can do damage when the ball comes to him. And he again had, had the drops issues, just like Eric Ebron did. So... If he comes here and gets motivated to to have his best year ever, like Ebron did, then then more power to him, and you're going to look great for taking him as your fourth or fifth wide receiver uh, in your draft. I want to go back and real quick touch back on T.Y. Hilton. We said he's somewhere around 10, so the other guys, again, that are around 10, I'll just read, let's see, I'll read uh, on this list, I'll read like 8 through uh, eight through 14, so just get that range. We got Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Adam Thielen, T.Y. Hilton, Amari Cooper, Julian Edelman, Stephon Diggs. So that's kind of your range in there for for T.Y. Hilton. You'll probably take guys like Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones above him, but somewhere in that range is where you'll see T.Y. Hilton go. And against those other guys, Thielen was, he had a stretch last year where he was incredible. I love Keenan Allen personally. He's just a catch machine. I've had him on my team several years, and and I love having him. Julian Edelman too, especially in PPRs where he's really really valuable. Um, Amari Cooper had a great finish to last season when he went to went to Dallas. So there's a lot of guys in here who have who are really intriguing um, for uh, perhaps more. I would say higher end potential than T.Y. Hilton, but for T.Y., you can lock him in if he doesn't get hurt for like 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. These other guys, their floor might be a little bit lower, um, but T.Y., I would say if you're looking for more consistency at this point in your draft, you go for T.Y. If you're looking for uh, maybe a little bit of a flyer, maybe Adam Thielen can re- replicate what he did last year and you go with him. So th- that's that's a debate that, again, you have to make up in your mind. And like I've said, Joe, this, this is your team. Like y- it, So... Just put your thought into it and, and decide what you like. And we both like T.Y. Hilton, um, low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, um, because he's he's proven it year after year that this is what he's going to give you. And some people, you really value that consistency. And I think the most important thing to remember about the Colts' offense this year, it's getting a lot of hype, as it should. It's going to be one of the best offenses in the league. The three players' roles we know are not going to change are Andrew Lux, T.Y. Hilton, and Marlon Max. They're the three guys who are safe this year. Everyone else I would wait on because you don't know exactly what's going to happen because there are all of a sudden a lot of mouths to feed in the offense. Again, we've touched on Devin Funches. If you go past him in the wide receiver, we've talked about wide receivers on this podcast before that this is going to be one of the best positions in camp in terms of um, the, the competition level there. There's going to be guys that are making plays, and it's going to be a fun group to watch if you head out to Westfield and Grand Park for one of these training camp practices. But um, Funches is locked in there somewhere. Um, Deion Kane is a bit of a question mark. We assume he'll get a roster spot because we think somebody else would probably pick him up if the Colts wanted to cut him. Um, so I doubt they cut him. I'll bet Kane gets a roster spot. Paris Campbell is the, the um, most enticing of that group because he's a second round pick 
And you don't draft a guy in the second round if you don't want him to be on your roster, number one, and number two, if you don't want him to have an impact. They expect Paris Campbell to have an impact, certainly in two or three years, but they definitely want to see the beginnings of that this year. So, Joe, he's going to get his opportunities in this offense. He's definitely going to get his opportunities, and I think because of the hype of him being a second-round pick, a rookie with 4-3 speed, he's probably going to get drafted ahead of Funchess in a lot of scenarios. Um I'm not convinced that's wrong. I'm not convinced that's right. Training camp might reveal a lot of how much usage these guys are going to get from the get-go. And he could start to creep in on Funchess's targets as we get into the season and he gets a little more acclimated as a rookie. I think heading into it, he's going to see a lot of short passes. Um, kind of be more of a gadget player as he develops. You know, he didn't run a lot of routes over at Ohio State. So he could be a player where one week he breaks a short catch for 50 yards and gets in the end zone, and the next week leaves you with nothing. So he's going to be really enticing. I think he's more exciting in like a dynasty league mm-hmm. where you have long-term potential instead of yearly. And something else uh, that that another point that I'll make about fantasy is know the rules of your league. If you got points for punt returns, I know that they want to put him back there and see what he can do. So if you if you get punt return points, that might just be the the impetus you need to to put a flyer on him late in one of these drafts. So um, you got Paris Campbell. I would not draft Deion Kane zero percent unless he goes for like a hundred yards in each of the first two preseason games, which I doubt is going to happen. So Deion Deion Kane is likely going to be a free agent at the start of the year, but you can make a really good case for drafting Paris Campbell late, like you said, especially in a dynasty league. Uh, Devin Funches deserves a spot somewhere. Maybe we agree, not a starter. Wide receiver four or five. You kind of hope he catches magic with luck. T.Y. Hilton somewhere around the end of wide receiver one or higher end wide receiver two. And if you get T.Y. as your second receiver, I'd be really really happy because like i said if you want some consistency he gives that to you and boy those games against houston put them in your lineup bam 15 20 30 50 points doesn't matter it's, it's going to be a good week for ty so tennessee as well really uh-huh they're just not as loud about it but <laughs> yes it's always nice to prove them wrong tight ends next and the colts had one of the biggest surprises in terms of fantasy last year on their roster, and that was Eric Ebron. Coming over from Detroit, was basically left for dead. Got a decent contract with the Colts for a couple years, and be, just because that's what he demanded, even I'm demand that's what he um, was going for. Um, so that that's what I mean by demanded, not I demand. I, that's <laughs> Market what, value. Exactly. That's, you know. that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Thank you, Joe. So Eric Ebron was the fourth highest scoring fantasy tight end last year. Raise your hand if you saw that coming preseason. No one's going to be raising their hand. That was That's why we love fantasy, because of surprises like this. And in terms of, excuse me, his tight end stats last year, he, was, he had the most touchdowns, 13 of them receiving, 14 total. Nearly had that one passing touchdown to Andrew Luck, <laughs> but was just out of the reach, just out of his reach. Um, uh, Kelsey in uh, Kansas City was next with 10. Zach Ertz was third with eight. So 13 is an aberration. Let me just yeah. say that right off the bat. I believe it is, even though uh, Ebron does not believe it is. Eric Ebron himself, as you would expect, has come out in the offseason and said his goal is to break the tight end touchdown record, and that's Gronkowski. That's like 2022, 20, somewhere in that range, whatever it is, or something. Is it I that? think it's yeah. 17. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Randy You're Moss right. has a receiver record right. with Excuse 22. Me. Yes. Those darn Patriots. <laughs> Patriots. 
but yeah, you got Gronk and, and Moss all the way up there. But I would say that is a lofty goal, and I have said that on this program before, especially with the addition of Funchess, drafting Campbell, um, Marlon Mack, again, being back, and Jack Doyle, of course, if you anticipate him being healthy. There are probably going to be fewer of those balls for Ebron, but I still think he has the potential to be to have a really good year. Oh, absolutely. I, I think if he can get to eight touchdowns, you'd be really happy. Um, I kind of broke down some of the numbers here with and without Jack Doyle last year. So Doyle, he got hurt against Washington um, with the, uh, I believe that was the hip, but he ended up playing that whole game. So I counted that one. And so in total, um, he played five and three quarters game with Jack Doyle. He left in the third quarter against Miami. During the games with Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron saw just 3.6 targets per game. Without Jack Doyle, that number was 8.8. That is a huge difference in opportunity. And another thing about um, Eric Ebron's big games last year, his first and third highest games in terms of receiving yards came in the two games without T.Y. Hilton against the Patriots. He had 105 yards, like a ridiculous 15 targets that game, and then 71 against the Jets. So I'm not trying to knock Ebron's talent or skills, but a lot of his production came out of necessity because Andrew Luck didn't have anywhere else to go with the ball. He was throwing to guys like Chester Rogers and uh, Zach Pascal, so Eric Ebron became the best guy available. Now, the one thing that does seem to translate is touchdowns. He actually scored eight of his 14 touchdowns in the five and three quarters games with Jack Doyle and what six for the rest of the season. So it looks like touchdowns. He's a little bit better of a red zone option than Doyle. He more of a jump ball guy, a little quicker. He can separate better in those close quarters. So with Ebron this season, I think he could still finish as a back end tight end one, but he's going to be one of those guys where if, and this is, the deal with a lot of tight ends they don't get you a touchdown that week they get you like 30 yards and you're like all right whatever yeah which is which seems to be what tight ends are outside of your top three or four guys you got like the the, again the the cream of the crop in tight ends travis kelsey zach Ertz, george kittle those guys are getting targets like eight per week regardless of who else is out there and I thought that's a great stat that you brought up with with just the targets for for Ebron when Doyle was there when Doyle was not. So it, it's it's a a dearth of opportunity or more of a dearth of opportunity with uh, with Eric Ebron if all these guys stay healthy. Again, that's when you say if all these guys stay healthy in the NFL, you know that not everybody's going to stay healthy. Yeah. So the the potential is still there again for him to have a really good year, but the stats. The stats, especially that you pointed out very well, um, indicate that there are reasons to believe that Ebron will take a step back this coming season. I still think he has a chance to score six to eight touchdowns, and that's fantastic. That's pretty good for a tight end. Um, Like we said, last year, eight touchdowns among tight ends. Zach Ertz was third in the NFL with eight touchdowns. So if he can get eight touchdowns, that's great. Um, he's still going to be targeted in the red zone, even though you have Funchess out there to probably take a couple of those targets away from him. Um, but Ebron and he, he developed a, uh, a great relationship with luck last year. Luck trusts him. Um, and boy, there, there are a few guys that are, uh, that, that love the game more. And I, I, I'm rooting for him to have another good season and for another, uh, 
another heck make it record breaking go for 17 do it man <laughs> oh, i'd but, love to see yeah that. oh my gosh that would that would be fun but he's probably in the lines of let's see if we go down the list past those top three I'll, I'll read off again just on this list um after kelsey Ertz, and kittle are the biggest three really um you have guys like ebron oj howard um jared cook evan ingram hunter henry uh vance mcdonald of pittsburgh austin hooper of atlanta delaney walker of tennessee uh, so it's somewhere in that range. But again, in this list that I'm looking at, this has it has um, Ebron listed in the top 10 and Jack Doyle right outside the top 10 at 13. So that's that's a that's a it's a red flag to me just because you don't know exactly who's going to get the most amount of points between these two guys. So it's hard to take Ebron above some of those other guys who are certainly the number one spot at tight end on their roster and will get the majority, if not all, of those looks in a given game. Absolutely. Right now he's getting drafted on average as the eighth tight end, which I think is right on point. He's going behind the big three, Evan Ingram, O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, and those three are kind of like the young guys that you hope break out. And then Jared Cook, who you saw what he did last year with Oakland, now with um, the Saints and Drew Brees. You kind of expect him to produce as well. And then Ebron's kind of that eighth guy, and I think that's that's about Very where fair. I would have it. Very yeah, I, I would go with that because Ebron's still going to have value. He'll get you some touchdowns. If you want to take him a little bit higher than that, do so by all means. Uh, he, he, he wants to do better than he did last year, and um, he, he believes he can. And nobody in the Colts is going to tell him no, and they're going to give him opportunities again, especially at the beginning of the year, especially in the red zone, because he's proven them there in the past. So if you want to take him as your somewhere between four and six, more power to you. Uh, if you want to take him somewhere between seven and nine, I think that's probably about in most leagues where he's going to go. So go into your draft thinking that, knowing the people in your league. Again, Joe, if you're like Joe and are in a draft with a bunch of Colts fans, which is probably the majority of people listening to this podcast, you might have to take him somewhere in that four to six range if you really, really want Eric Ebron on your roster. So you got Ebron there. Doyle, we'll touch on Doyle a little bit. He averaged uh, five and a half targets per game last season in his five and three quarter games that he played, but had that kidney injury, had a hip injury. Um He's he's very consistent. Two years ago, when when the Colts had no offensive line and Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball, he had a career year because that's all the time that Jacoby Brissett had. He had to drop back and get rid of the ball quickly, and it was Jack Doyle. He had somewhere between I think it was eighty and ninety catches that year. I he's not going to get between eighty and ninety catches. That was an aberration of a season because of the conditions that the Colts had, because of the situation they were in. So you can't expect that, but. If Jack Doyle is your starting tight end, I think you're in a little bit of trouble uh, in your team. You, you you don't want him as your as your number one, but if you have Ebron, you draft him to back him up just in case Ebron gets hurt. That's probably where Jack Doyle has his greatest value in terms of fantasy. Yeah, if something happens to Ebron, Jack Doyle all of a sudden might be a top five tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, but just looking at the usage when he was on the field with Ebron last year when they played together, Averaged about four catches, 40 yards per game, scored two touchdowns. So that's just really not much to get exciting about. Five targets. He's not going to make huge plays down the field. That's what Jack Doyle's going to do. So he'll get you about six, seven, eight points per game. And then when he happens to score a touchdown every three or four weeks, then you were happy you started him. But 
I agree with you. I don't think Jack Doyle's the starting tight end this year. And between those two, after those two, rather, Mo Alley-Cox, your third tight end on this roster, nobody's going to draft him in your fantasy league. Nobody should draft him in your fantasy league, again, barring injuries in the preseason. But, boy, that, that touchdown that he scored against Oakland is just has people licking their lips, again, for, for what this, this young man can do, very much in the same vein as... Um, and Eric Swope, the past couple years, a guy who was a college basketball player who has now had a couple years to to kind of devote himself to football. And now you get to see what he can do. I think you'll see a little bit of an expanded role this year. And when Swope was given an expanded role last year, he had a couple weeks in a row. I think it was two or three weeks in a row that Swope scored a touchdown before he got hurt and ended his season. But you will probably see Mo Cox score, I would say, between three and five touchdowns this year. I think that's a pretty that's a safe estimate in my mind. I would agree with that as well. And that's kind of why I threw him in there because you're not going to own him, but he might be relevant enough to take away from Doyle and Ebron. Um, both of which are on the last year of their contract. I'm sure the Colts want to see what this Mo Alley Cox guy can do. Mm-hmm. Even when they didn't have Ole Alley Cox or Swope, they had Hewitt scoring a touchdown in the year. So you know they want to have three tight ends they can rely on. Sirianni talked about it in a, uh, the Coaching Speak podcast, how he had several three tight end plays drawn up with those three that he never really got to use last year. So I, I, Mo Alley Cox isn't a guy that you want to own, but he's someone you want to keep in mind when you're thinking about drafting Doyle or Ebron and definitely go back to that coach speak podcast to to hear from uh, Nick Sirianni about to really dive into this offense if you want even a little bit more fantasy background on these guys what he saw last year what he expects for this coming year and his thoughts on certain players and uh, whatever it might be so Sirianni he had a really great interview I think him specifically was 13 plus minutes of that uh, 50 to 60 minute podcast whatever it was just hearing from all the coaches so uh, go back, listen to Sirianni, uh, get his take on. Don't just listen to us. There's another fantasy point. Don't just stick with one guy. I love my Syracuse guy, Matthew Barry, but I'm not just sticking with his rankings. That's it. I, I'm, I'm getting more opinions. I'm, I'm getting uh, other websites. I'm getting other people. So, get a crowdsource. Exactly. Like Read a bunch of people and see what, see what works well, see what sounds good to you. And again, comes down to, like I said, you got to like your team. So go into it and... And enjoy it. And anyway, that's um, that's the majority of what we want to talk about. We'll touch on kicker and defense before we leave, because, Joe, I think we agree. If you draft a kicker or a defense before your last two or three rounds, you're not doing fantasy, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Don't do it. I've heard the argument of maybe uh, the Rams kicker, Greg the Leg, because he's kind of that tier of his own. But maybe the third to last round. Fine. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Take a flyer on him in round 15 instead (laughs) of of round 17. So nevertheless, Adam Vinatieri, uh, who you hate, Joe, as we know, if we've listened (laughs) to this podcast before, was uh, the 14th highest scoring fantasy kicker in 2018. That is certainly a step back for him in uh, terms of some years in the past. Um, He did have a lot of PATs attempted last year was sixth most in the league, 47, just 18th in terms of field goals attempted. So the Colts had a really good year in the red zone. Eric Ebron was a big part of that. Um, They converted opportunities into touchdowns, which every coaching staff wants, but every uh, fantasy owner of a kicker hopes uh, to see maybe a couple more field goals taken than than he had last year. It's kind of weird because you want kickers on a good offense so that they score more, but Mm -hmm. if it's too good of an offense and they just get the PATs and not the field goals. So you kind of want that weird range. I think the highest scoring kicker last year was um, Fairburn on Houston, yep. who is just like that. A good offense, maybe not quite elite. So mm-hmm. they kicked a lot of field goals. Yep. Um, yeah. It, 
I'm probably not going to own Vinatieri. Mm-hmm. There's clearly better of kickers out there. <laughs> yeah, of course not. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you're a Colts homer and you want to grab him, I don't think he's going to kill you either. He'll make enough field goals to make it worth it. Yeah, I think so. I, there, there are better options out there, but I, he can still consistently hit from 50. So I, I'm not taking him off my board. That's for sure. It all depends on, with kickers and defense, so much is based on matchups. You're picking guys, at least if you're me, I'm picking guys up and dropping guys relatively frequently unless I have a top three or four scoring kicker, scoring defense, which sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. just depends on what I get in those past couple rounds. Other than that, you know, you, you just stay active on the waiver wire and find guys that fit based on that week, and you do... I do just fine if you just put a little bit of work into it from week to week. But nevertheless, you might draft Adam Vinatieri. You might draft the Colts defense as well, uh, unlike in years past where the Colts defense had zero expectations probably of doing anything. But um, after last year, you get a lot lot more reason to perhaps take a look into the Colts defense because they improved from one of the bottom five defenses in the league to one of the top 10 to 15 defenses in the league. Um, The one thing that they could do just a little bit better is create turnovers. Um, I think they did a reasonably well last year. That's something that they keep stressing to to do that. But um, based on the steps forward they took last year, you're probably going to see the Colts defense get drafted if you're in a 12-team league, especially if you're in a 12-team league that people draft more than one defense, which, again, that depends on your league. But I would not be surprised to see them taking uh, one of the bottom-tier defense ones or if you're taking a backup, taking the Colts there as a backup. Yeah, they'll be useful some weeks, um, and they won't in others. Kind of with all defenses except totally. for top two yeah. elite ones. Yeah, Don't draft a defense early. I stream them all year. I go week to week, whoever has the best matchup. Unless you can luck into like a Bears last year or Jaguars two years ago. But it's so hard to predict. Like last year, everyone thought the Jaguars were going to be elite again, and they were still good, but they slipped that a little. Always bit. happens with defenses, man. Yeah. It always does. So you can't just assume the Bears are going to be just as dominant. Uh, the best two kicker, you know, the other thing, the Colts play the Chargers week one. Yeah, in in uh, California. So do you really want to start the Colts that week? Exactly. the The best kickers are, I'm sorry, defenses to go for, in my opinion. Ravens and Eagles. Ravens play the Dolphins week one. That's a pretty darn good matchup for them. And then uh, Eagles play the Redskins, who maybe they're starting a rookie quarterback. They don't have a ton of weaponry. So I I would say those are the top two defenses to go for and then just play it week by week. And that's that's a, a knock against the Colts defense. Even if this defense is better this coming year, the schedule they're playing is tougher. So I mean they're they're playing we we've talked about this on the podcast before the the level of quarterbacks this Colts defense is going to face right off the bat week one you get uh you get Rivers in San Diego week two you get Tennessee and they've, they've I like that one they've trashed Mariota before so maybe that's a good good time to have him week two but you get Matt Ryan week three you get Derek Carr week four you get Patrick Mahomes week five so that four of the first five games are against. And then a bye week. Really, really good quarterbacks and then a bye week. So, again, drafting a Colts defense is probably not your best idea, in my opinion, because out of those first five games, you have one that you want to start them. You have one. That's it. That Tennessee game week two. That's even in Tennessee. So, like, even if you really wanted them that week, I mean, don't draft them. In in my opinion, you're going to be able to get them after that bye week, I think, if you really want them on your team. But man, those first five weeks, it's going to be tough to put them anywhere. You might be able to get them for week two because if someone does draft them, the yeah. 
Chargers are probably going to score. They might drop them the next week, right. and you can scoop them up. So yeah. just play it week by week for defense. So it, it, in that in that vein, uh, after that, you get, let's see, Houston, Denver, Pittsburgh, Miami, uh, Jacksonville, Houston again, Tennessee, Tampa Bay. For, for defenses that I draft, I always – if something like is going to weigh me either way, I always look at your your playoff like weeks 14, 15, 16. Um, so if I have two defenses or two kickers or something that I really like, or even two wide receivers or running backs, whatever, you look at week 14, 15, 16, those playoff weeks to see what they do. And for the Colts week 14, 15, 16, you get at Tampa Bay, at New Orleans, and then home against the Carolina Panthers. So, I mean... Jameis Winston has thrown for 300 yards in like 50% of his starts whenever he's playing. That's That might be tougher than people think. And with Bruce Arians as his head coach now, that could be, Jameis Winston could be a sleeper quarterback this year. You get at New Orleans that semifinal. No, 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 no. Then both teams at that point are probably going to be either playing for a playoff position, a first round bye, or home field advantage. So that's still like week 15, is still a time where everybody is playing for something. And week 16, maybe at home against Carolina, sure, that's great. But you have to get to week 16 first. And those week 14, 15, I think those are both dangerous, dangerous weeks for the Colts defense. So there there are reasons not to take the Colts defense this year, uh, in spite of them doing better last year. Just fantasy-wise, I think that you have better options, Joe, if you're drafting somebody in the last couple of rounds of your draft. Absolutely, I agree with you. Um, it Fantasy score, it's so weird because the defense could hold a team under 20 points, but if they didn't get sacks and turnovers, they're not going to score well in fantasy. So it's really about decent defenses beating up on terrible offenses. And, you know, I remember when the Browns were terrible, I'd be like, who's playing the Browns? Who's playing the Browns (laughs) every week? So you really just want a defense that's playing an offense that's just going to poop the bed, really. So the Dolphins this year, like we said. The Dolphins uh, are Who's their quarterback with... um, Depends maybe on, Rose and maybe Fitz Magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> could, could be see. could be intriguing. So um, that that's our look at at fantasy for this week. I think that um, we ran down all the Colts and at least all the ones that we think would be relevant. Who knows? Maybe some some guy makes the roster that we're like, who is he? And then has a has a crazy year. But that's I don't I don't think we can do any more any more serious stuff with. Um, until we get to training camp. And again, that's something else that I'll recommend. If you're really into if you're really into fantasy and you really have guys that you like, look at what is coming out of training camp, whether it's the Colts or elsewhere. So read local beat writers, follow them on Twitter to find out how Adam Thielen is doing in Minnesota. Find out how Josh Jacobs is looking in Oakland. That's one I think a lot of people are going to be looking at, the running back out of Oak, or out of Alabama who is drafted to Oakland. and Finally just signed his contract exactly. like yesterday. Yeah, so, um, so follow these things up until your draft. And the more information you have, the better equipped you'll be. And, and enjoy it. Have fun with it. And um, hopefully, Joe, we gave him one or two good pieces of advice. Yeah, maybe we can uh, find time to do another one when we're you know, August, we're in draft season, people are actually doing these drafts. But I think it's always nice to get a little preview before we get into things. And the, uh, you know, the preseason madness always kind of creates a muddied mm-hmm. cloud. One good player has a good preseason game, and all of a sudden, he's the guy everyone jumps yeah. on. So it's kind of nice to talk about it before we get into that era where 
you know, you can't trust what anyone is saying. So that's the Colts Blue Zone podcast this week. We'll remind you to download and subscribe so you can get this delivered to your podcast listening device week after week whenever it drops, usually Wednesday, sometimes Thursday. It depends on uh, when we are in and what we are doing. But uh, we'll have, we plan to have Mike Chapel back next week. Uh, we would have put him to sleep here in the office today, no doubt. Uh, but his analysis for all things non-fantasy related with the Colts, uh, you'll get that back next week, and we uh, we will certainly look forward to that. You can follow the Colts Blue Zone podcast on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone. Follow Joe, at Roto Street Joe. You can follow me, at Dave G underscore sports, for all your Colts and, heck, Central Indiana uh, sports doings as uh, whatever season we happen to be in and daggone football season is going to be here before you know it so thanks for downloading thanks for subscribing and thank you for listening this has been the Colts blue zone podcast and we'll see you next time <laughs>